Welcome to another episode of Speaking Our Peace, the podcast where we speak with individuals on the nonviolence work they do in their communities around the world. We feel so fortunate to bring you this interview with Joe Cloutier. Annie spoke with him about his youth in inner city Toronto and how it led him to eventually become a co-founder at the Inner City Youth Development Association and Inner City High School in Edmonton, Alberta. Inner City High School is an independent, not-for-profit school that serves high-risk youth with programs that prepare them for life after school, but also encourage them to express themselves through the arts. As an educator, Joe has done more than support youth in their academic studies. He has helped them build community. It's worth mentioning that this interview was conducted several months ago during the height of the George Floyd protests against police brutality in the United States. The protests are addressed by Joe and Annie towards the end of this interview, which I chose to include because I believe the brief discussion they have is still quite relevant. Now, without further exposition, here's Joe. I grew up in inner city Toronto and um, left school like a lot of my friends in midway through grade nine. And I guess for several years, just bounced around in dead-end jobs and some time on the street, off and off sort of thing. I guess at one point I saw that that was really, there wasn't a lot of future in that kind of life. So I thought, okay, I'll upgrade and become a carpenter. And then I, um, then I headed for Alberta. It was booming with the oil boom and thought, okay, I'll go and practice my trade there. Emphasis on practice. And, and then so, at the same time, while I was working, I was kind of familiar with what young people go through in the inner city. And I volunteered at a local boys and girls club, uh, teaching a woodworking program. At one point, uh, the oil boom busted and uh, I was out of a job. And I thought, uh, what am I going to do now? So then um, uh, another volunteer at the, at the boys and girls club suggested I go to university and I always kind of secretly wanted to but never didn't ever imagine that I could actually do it so I upgraded again applied as a mature student even though you know I look very young to you I'm sure I applied as a mature student and um, thought okay I'll be a shop teacher I can use my carpentry skills after the first year of general studies I got so excited about all these things that I was learning that I didn't know. I thought, holy cow. So I changed my, my role to a social studies teacher. But, so then I can learn more of those things. So I guess um, I'm going to lose my, my place here. I don't. Uh, so and then in the. Um, as, as I was in an education lecture, I learned a, a little bit about, about streaming and how, how, um, how uh, young people are kind of guided into a path that sort of, especially young people that are marked by poverty and, uh -huh. and uh, sort of an inner city background are guided into a path that pretty well restricts them to uh, a, low, a low rung on the social structure. And it wasn't just hearing that, like I totally recognized that how that happens. So I thought, 
geez, I, I, I need to learn more about all of this, how all this works. And um, I guess uh, I was still going through to be a teacher. And then, as uh, you, I'm sure you're familiar, the teachers have to go into practicum where they're placed in, in, in uh, a classroom and they work with an experienced teacher. So I was in this one classroom. I asked to be placed in the inner city classroom. And um, it was a math class. And the teacher had her desk sitting up in a corner of the room. And she had a textbook. And then all the students were working. And they could, they could shout out questions to her. And she would answer them. And she would shout back an answer. And that was, that was, that was a little different. <laughs> Well, and then there was a group of about uh, four or five. Well, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that was basically the structure. And there was a group of about four or five students that were seemed kind of big for their for the class that they were in, and they were carrying on quite a bit, horsing around. So the, my job, the teacher said, recess came. My job was to guard them at recess because they couldn't go out because they were bad. So. Um, <laughs> So, but I knew them from the woodworking program. I knew, like, I was from, so I sat down and, and chatted with them. And they were just talking among themselves. And I just sat there. And, and I'm going to shorten this, of course. But one, one said, yeah, my sister, this guy run into the house, stabbed her. There was blood all over. And then another guy says, um, my uncle? They sit in the basement and they scrape the white off the walls and they mix it with water and, and, and they stick it in their arm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and they were telling stories like this. And then recess was over and then the teacher was really rough with them again. And I just thought, well, that teacher is on a different planet than what mm -hmm. the students are for sure. And I don't really want to be part of system like that. So I kind of re reconsidered my goals and uh, thought, okay, what I'm going to do is go to, I won't just graduate and become a teacher. I'm going to go to uh, graduate school and I'll work in the community at the same time. So there was, there was a benefit there because I also didn't have to get a job. So that, <laughs> that, I can, I can understand that. <laughs> So uh, uh, the, as, as I was going through my, my uh, undergraduate, finishing my B.Ed., I was kind of kind of shy, not kind of shy. I was shy classes, and most of the time felt out of place in university just because of the, there's this sort of class structure and that kind of thing and dress and language and all that. So uh, I even had a period where I wore a sweater and corduroy pants. And so I would, I would be cool and sort of fit. <laughs> I, 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 that only lasted long. It was a short period. Uh, and, and so I took a grammar class, a summer grammar class, to kind of make myself not so shy. Wow. And, uh, summer classes, they're really condensed, right? So, and condensed and intense. Right. I made sure I was among the first to volunteer for every exercise. Because I had to make myself do it. Wow! Well, so I did it, and then after after the course, like I was totally impressed by by what went on. Like you would see some people bloom, and others 
left, but the ones that bloom, they just really develop. And I thought, boy, this would be really good for working with the youth that I work with mm-hmm. in the woodworking program. So, or whatever magic spell you got, the woodworking program turned into a drama program. And, <laughs> and then I um, was able to, to uh, raise a little bit of money and work with, get an experienced uh, drama person to work with for the first semester. I took more drama classes myself and then into graduate school, I took more drama. Wow. And then, the one drama turned into um, five programs in the community, in the inner city community. And um, the dra- then as I studied more drama, I realized that what we were doing and the drama, kind of drama that was developing, because first it was just to give them some creative expression, opportunity for creative expression and feel good about yourself. Yeah. Because the tendency in those environments is to kind of close yourself off. It could be tough. So you don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Kind of. So, but that's that really harms development at the same time. Um, so that that was the, the whole thing to just be creative, open yourself up, and and, uh, and feel good about yourself. But they started the in these programs. They started telling stories about well, we all started telling stories about our background. And then we would put then we would put those stories into scenes, and then the, the stories would be about well with the younger children. Then we had five programs uh, from eight years old in different programs to twenty. So wow. the younger ones they were about magic frogs that did all kinds of strange things, and the older ones were about serious social issues, like um, impacting the inner city. Mm-hmm. And so they were making plays about their own experience. So they didn't have to have like acting study. They didn't have to study acting. They, yeah. they knew the characters and they knew what they were doing. And so through that, it's kind of like storytelling, right? And then so, so we would tell each other stories. And then through the stories, they would think, I thought that was only happening to me. So they realized that that's happening to everyone. Also, we did little exercises where you change one part of the story and you see how it impacts the rest of the, of the story. Yeah. So then, so like, for example, if, if um, like, just if you were, say, you were going to win $1,000 then, and then you got the $1,000, you bought a new car or whatever, and then, and then what happened? So then, so say in the first scene, if you didn't win the thousand dollars, then what would you do? But these were connected to their serious social issues. So they realized by that, that they had the power to change things in their own stories. And by making changes, they could see that it would have an impact on, on the rest of their That's amazing. And there was no moralizing or anything like that. We just, we just, um, they took from the, they took from the story, whatever they were ready for, according to their own stage of development. And um, we did that for a number of years, and we we performed in little rooms for ourselves. And then one group took their story out to the community, and be in a community of experience rather than a geographic community. And that would be like 
uh, young offender center, jails, drug and alcohol treatment centers, um, education conferences, social worker conferences, and wow. then um, and then in indigenous communities throughout Alberta, um, cultural days and things like that. And then 90 percent uh, of the young people that came in Edmonton that came to the woodworking program and the drama program were all indigenous. And because that's the role that they have generally in society. Mm -hmm. So I, I, again, I mean, I, I wanted to continue working like that. And, and, uh, and I also recognized the violence that, that that teacher was putting on to the students and the violence of our own social structure mm -hmm. in creating a, a whole population uh, at, the, at, at the very bottom of the structure. So um, I think the key learning for the youth, as I mentioned, was that if they change part of one scene, that, that would infect the other. Yeah. They also realized they had the power to make the changes and it would change the outcome, the eventual outcome. Um, it was all done without any moralizing or any kind of advice. Um, young people without a formal education we're doing sophisticated social analysis. Wow. That program and seeing into the structure um, and recognizing that they weren't to necessarily to blame. I mean, we all have to correct some of our actions, but right. they weren't necessarily to blame for their place in the social structure. Um, and they, as they traveled throughout Alberta, elders would ask them for advice on what to do. We're having problems with our youth. What can we do? So they felt, they felt confident in themselves. They felt as they told stories, they felt that they had something to say and that people were willing to listen. We set up a little, um, uh, we many of them were homeless. We did always what we could to find them places to live. We rented a house in the inner city, big house, put them into rooms, so one, one of the groups. And um, then they asked us to start a school. We had tried to register them in local schools, but they, they dropped out because many of them were, had not been in school for some time. Right. And, and so um, they asked us to start a school, and we did. I, I'm wow. skipping through a lot. I, I, well, don't, I don't want to keep here for three days. So. <laughs> <laughs> but this is incredible from, you know, starting out wanting to be a shop teacher and teaching carpentry. <laughs> well, like I totally was not a plan. It's just everything just kind of fell into place. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, and then in the drama program, we, you, you, we, we felt, because I worked with a partner, Alexina Delgetti, who's a partner in the drama. And, she worked in the school as well with her partners for 28 years, I think. She moved to this place called Ontario now. <laughs> How she do that, I don't know. <laughs> That's a anyway. very, you know, uncommon direction <laughs> to move. <laughs> Usually people right. go west. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, we, so the school started with seven members of our drama group and two of their friends, nine nine people and now we have about 150 uh, in September October when we register 
Wow. Yeah. Huh. And, uh, and that, and we've always tried to keep a focus on kind of a pedagogy of peace while we're working. We try to give the, the, the young people, the students, a voice in how things operate. And, and we meet in a circle where everyone, three times a day we meet in a circle where everyone, in the circle, everyone is equal. We all look at each other. There's no sort of hierarchy in place or anything like that. And the youth feel that it's their, it's their community. I mean, indigenous people have a, a, a sense of fa an ex a sense of extended family and community. And these, the, many of the youth that come here, don't have a lot of connection to their parents or anything like that. Uh, most don't. And they see the school as a safe place, safe from the violence of the street. They see it as their own community. And you have these people walking in, looking like you would look at them, really rough looking and that, but not they're friendly and gentle and respectful. I don't know what they're like out on the street, but that's what they're like. Inside. <laughs> so um, that's the kind of thing that happens. And, and so it's a very friendly and warm atmosphere. And, and the youth create that. I mean, I, I don't create that for sure. Uh, I can be really neat. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of courses do you offer at Inner City High? Well, we offer um, regular, like the regular program of studies, uh, grade, grade 10, 11, and 12. And, and we encourage youth to take the academic stream and so, so we have um, we have uh, um, graduates who write the diploma exams on par with every student in Alberta, and, uh, and they pass. And so, Great. at most, like on on average, the I would say the from youth through elementary have been in ten to over twenty different schools before they come here wow. and that would be from grid they generally they don't make grade nine from grade one to grade eight generally that many schools whether it's foster homes group homes being apprehended by social workers that sort of thing and and um definitely the i mean the, the key one of the key words now is trauma based but there is definitely trauma in their lives for sure and and, uh, and it's difficult to deal with for the youth and sometimes for us as well um, but they try they come they try they 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 actually when they come in they don't understand what it means to go to school or what it means to do an assignment and we have to kind of work work with that because in their mind okay i registered i can come in here I'm in school now. It's, yeah, I go to school. <laughs> oh, no, I don't do anything, but I'm here. But then that's, that's the first step, right? Yeah. And then, and, but then, then they end up, and so some have come back. We have, I think we have four people working here now that were once participants in the program. Oh, so work as uh, instructors. Yeah, one's a social worker. Uh, one is our court worker. Oh. Another one 
Yeah, as court, they worked mainly as social workers and youth workers, depending. Great. Um, they just want to help. And some come back with with their families and they want to show you a healthy baby and that sort of thing. So that definitely happens all along. That's fantastic. Um, I, mean, I mean, I'd love to hear more about kind of the the way that you work with students for selfish reasons. Um, I'm going to uh, start teaching a writing course at Anishinaabe Health for, um, we only have eight students, so it's a tiny, tiny group. Um, uh-huh. Basically for people who, who would not be able to um, access George Brown, it's, it's a partner, it's a program partner with George Brown College. And so right. we would do first year at Anishinaabe Health and then the second year right. they can continue on at George Brown. So it's kind of a small group, kind of a quasi bridging program to help, you know, a small group of students to kind of get back into, you know, formal, more formal schooling um, and, you know, a, a more friendly environment and all that. So, right, uh, right. yeah, so I'm kind of curious kind of how, because I, I mean, I totally, I've been volunteering there for the last two years and so i'm just i'm going to actually kind of move from being a volunteer to becoming an instructor of the writing course so i've seen the students i i know what you mean when you know they think you know i've i've signed up for the program what else do i do (laughs) like on one hand it's but also i i i've seen students just being just completely overwhelmed because it is overwhelming suddenly it's like what i have to read i have to write in a language that, frankly, I don't understand what you're talking about. And it's just yeah, a lot yeah. to process on top of, you know, living life, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, even just just the cultural change for them can be traumatic. Well, one of the things we do is we have um, we, we have we have a, a hip hop program. We have a hip hop program and a rock and roll program in the hip hop program. The, the youth, so we have kind of a studio and the youth write their own, their own lyrics. Wow. So we have a couple of levels, like on one floor is our introductory program. It has the music studios and it has some um, graphic arts and that sort of thing. And so they, when, when, they, when they first come in, they're, they, they most want to write a rap. And the raps are about their life generally. And, uh, and, and and so they write it, and so they have to write their own lyrics. And then, then we take a look at the lyrics, and it's kind of, no, no, you can't really say that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of gentle editing. And then they take it back, and they work at it, because we say, this is for sort of public consumption, so we have to be careful about it. And it's, it's that kind of thing. And, and so that's the very introduction to literacy that we do. Wow, that's and, really interesting. And, but we're lucky to have a, a, a hip hop guy that, that is talented and, and can work with it. So you need to have that. And you need to have the equipment. We have the equipment um, to do music editing and to get mixing samples with, with, what they're, with their rap. And, and to, in the, in the end, produce a kind of a, used to be a CD now on a flash drive or, or on YouTube, whatever. Right. So, but that, but they, they can feel success from that as well. And, and they do, but so that's what we do to get them started for in literacy anyway. 
<laughs> and then it kind of expands from there. And so the rap is actually a story. It's just a, it's their own story. Yeah. How important do you think, or what role does kind of telling your own story play in terms of you know getting the idea of peace and nonviolence, um, you know, into your students? I, I, well, I think it's uh, like in 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 the work that I've done, I find it key. Like in the drama programs, like once. Once they got those stories out, and once they realized that other people had a, a, a similar story, that it wasn't just them, and it wasn't something that they were holding inside themselves, but they could get it out so that it, it no longer held such a hold on them at the same mm -hmm. time. Right? So, so I think that I think that that is key in the work that we've done. Yeah. And so the story, the story story whether it's story in drama story in hip-hop or story in in writing a story does the same thing i think yeah development or that's what i see yeah I, for sure it's definitely part of you know understanding your your part in kind of the broader world you know what it yep. means instead of like um and i guess it also connects you better to the rest of the community that you're part of Right or and creates a community of experience, like you said. No, exactly. That's that's right. That's exactly what it does. And and I think you don't feel so alone. You don't feel that it's your fault that you're you're the only one with these these problems. Yeah. So I I think it opens people up for further development at the same time. And as you said, and building community, which yeah. is key. We need that. Yeah. Do you connect your the alumni back together every every now and then? That is one of our weakest spots. We do, <laughs> but but <laughs> and uh, and but we have a kind of a Facebook thing. We set out a Facebook page and ask alumni to connect with us. Yeah. But they do come back. Like I mean, they do come back on their own and contact us. And one 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 young woman became a hairdresser, and at graduation she comes in and does hair and does the hair for all the young oh. women. <laughs> yeah, and she does that regularly. Wow. So they do that in different ways. and peace mean to you? Well, I think non, non, non-violence, like, it's more than the absence of violent action, for sure. It's, it's, the, it's, a, it's all in the way that, that we, we live our lives, about the way we treat others, um, and, about, and, and our own actions, just our own actions. And, the end, but it's also the, the I mean, systemic racism, structural violence, all part of, all part of, of violent actions. That they're, 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 they're actions and ways of being that are so much a part of our social structure that we don't even realize that we're doing it. And that's violence to me, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... That, that can range from the way we treat each other, 
yeah. to to outright violence on the street. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes is the way that we let certain things slide and just, you know, say, ah, it is the way it is. Sometimes it, you know, it in itself becomes a form of violence too when we make it, you know, acceptable. That's right, yeah. And we don't, and we, and a lot of times, like the people, we're good, good people, but we don't, you know, we don't realize that we're actually doing it. And sometimes it takes something to, to shock you to say, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. How do you make up all these protests, you know, in the wake of um, the death of George Floyd? What do I make of them all? Yeah. Well, well uh, I mean, I mean, I can remember the ones in the in '68 and '69. So, yeah. but I can say this is particularly significant. I think because it's around the world, and and I can only and it's, I mean, it's so heartening to see people standing up for themselves. I can only hope that it's not kind of slides away over time and gets pushed under the rug, sort of. Yeah. Um, but, but I, so I hope it has kind of a lasting impact, and it has to. I mean, there's step, sometimes a slow step by step, like the march. Yeah, step yeah, step. actually, that's true. Yeah. Huh. yeah. So, what are what what does the future hold for for you and and Inner City High? Well, I hope I hope Inner Inner before the COVID hit, I like we had a plan. Alexina and I had a plan of, of a transition plan. So uh, hers was to go and start a bed and breakfast somewhere in the world uh, at a certain time. And the right one came up in Stratford. And so she left when that seemed to realize. And that was about three years ago. But we've been working with two people to, to uh, move into the kind of a leadership role. Okay. So after Alexina left, um, uh, she left part way through the year, so I stayed in that position uh, for the rest of the year myself. And then I moved to a smaller office where I am now, and we have the front office and the two people who were taking our place, kind of. It was just that they work out of that office, and I was doing kind of consulting sort of thing. So I work with the youth engagement program on a consulting basis, and I'm officially superintendent of the school, which means that I, I, I consult with them and I work with the board, our board of directors at the same time. And so I can still have my finger there in some way. But when COVID hit, then they're all working offsite. Oh, the principal right. offsite, the one who's responsible for the youth engagement programs offsite. And I'm on site with the four staff or what, however many we have, five, four or five, um, actually four, four, we have four staff. And then, and they're, they're taking all the lunches out. So we're coordinating that and dealing with the issues that come because of that, because it's the kind of counseling at each person's home. So that's what I'm doing now. When, when all of this is over and the rainbow is over the world and there's no pandemic, I'll be back to hiding under my desk while they take all the trouble up in the front end. And it's, slow kind of transition that's always do you think the model that you have the way that you you approach education at inner city high do you think that approach could be 
or some aspects of it could be replicated, you know, in other high schools or in other schools in general? Well, I hope so, you know, and in, and in, in Alberta, as you probably are aware, I'm sure, they have charter schools mm -hmm. and, and um, the, 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 the current government <laughs> I, want to, I don't need to say more because you no. can gather. <laughs> um, but what they've done is they support, well, we, we call ourselves, we officially were a private school, but, um, but we call ourselves independent schools. And we're, uh, so they support uh, independent schools and they also support charter schools. But so they loosen the restrictions a bit. So we could and are considering becoming a charter school because as a charter school, we'll get um, we'll be more, we'll get uh, close to as much money as a public school does. So it'll be quite an increase for us. And in charter schools, they look for alternative models, uh, an alternative pedagogy that can be, that can be replicated. So we'll, so I've had some talks with Ray about that. Yeah. And uh, so we're, we're thinking of doing that. And I should be doing it right now. But I've been <laughs> kind of doing the, uh, I've been practicing the, the, the saying of never do today what you can put off till tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know how that feels. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's not, well, for whatever, it's not going to happen this September. It's probably maybe in the next year, couple of years. It, 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 it'll be the next year if I start to work pretty soon. Yeah, yes. yeah. Because, I mean, uh, actually, it's, it's... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's been pretty active here since the pandemic, and I haven't really been able to do anything very much other than day-to-day -day activities. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of scrambling to try to, you know, put some kind of school year still, you know, during the lockdown, right? Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. So ho hopefully I'll get to it and we would aim for the, for not this September, but the next September. 2021, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So that's kind of the goal, I guess, anyway. Yeah, I think it's, it's from, I mean, I'd love to visit your school at some point, but like from the sound of it, it's definitely very, different philosophy from you know the math teachers sitting in the corner and just waiting students working by themselves and just yelling at what's going on right <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah the relationship i think it's you're, you're describing a very very different relationship between not just student between teachers and students but also among students themselves with the rest of the staff within the school and then you know extending from there between you know one's own learning to kind of mm. what's going on in the community that's pretty powerful at the same time i mean so we have to hire teachers and um and and so, sometimes there's not a lot of choice, but sometimes there is. And there's that saying from a blues song, no one knows what goes on when the door is closed. Right. <laughs> and we have to work with that too. So it's not all roses, some, you know, we have to, but generally it's pretty good because if a person didn't have some kind of feeling for the, the youth and for the process, they wouldn't stay. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine, is, yeah. It's difficult, though, for the first year or two, because there's most often, because when we come from, if they come straight from university, or even from a, a regular, a traditional school, then you're doing things all wrong. Like, that's, they think that's we are, like, this is not what I learned at all. So, and we need to work with that. So there's, so they put most, for the most part, teachers stay, because we got ourselves to a point where we can pay grid. Uh, at one point, uh, teachers were working for ten thousand a year less than than the grid. Wow! And so, uh, so we had a lot of changes in teachers because everyone has to pay rent and, and look after themselves too. Yeah, I mean that's interesting that you raised the point that how teacher education and teacher training is. Um, it's just not taking into account, you know, the kind of environment that you um, that you have at, at inner city high. Um, right. Maybe not quite, you know, sitting in the corner and yelling to your students, but you know, it's just not, yeah, yeah. not the same, right? It's classroom management. <clears throat> classroom management, behavior <laughs> management, discipline. Yeah, I know. There's a lot yeah. of this kind of management term, and um, it does kind of indicate how or it, it puts you on a different kind of footing in terms of how you relate to your students. That's right. That's right. Huh. So do you still and, do and carpentry? Pardon? <laughs> do you oh still God. do carpentry? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, <I'm> a, <laughs> I did the form for a sidewalk a couple of years ago. You know, you have to make a wooden yes. form. <laughs> and, then, and my wife has been asking me to build her a shed. Hey, supposedly have all kinds of home improvement projects going on during this pandemic. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I could talk to you for a lot longer, but I'm not going to take up more time. I really would love to come to Edmonton and visit you know, the school and see kind of how it works and all that. Well, you would be most welcome, Annie. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time. And like, you know, talking to me so early in the morning. Oh, that's, that's fine. And nice to meet you too. And I look forward to meeting you in person. Yes, me too. Okay. Thank you very Bye. much. Bye. Okay. Thank you for listening. Maybe during this interview, you had the opportunity to think about how you grew out of the community you came from. And maybe you had an idea about how you could support the community you live in now. If you did, or even if you didn't, we want to hear from you. You can reach out to us at speakingourpeace at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Our Peace Podcast. If you search for Speaking Our Peace on Facebook, we'll come up there too. Speaking Our Peace is produced by Annie Luck, Ashima Vishnoi, Priya Joshi, and Reva Joshi. We are supported by IGINP Canada and the Mahatma Gandhi Canadian Institute for World Peace. Our music is made by Sunbear. Until next time... 